Green Eggs and Horror Content Warning. Stories may contain adult language, adult situations, violence, and awesome. If you can't handle any of these things I just listed, I'd turn it off now. I'm Pete Nixon, and this is Green Eggs and Horror. Welcome to the final episode of Green Eggs and Horror. I'd like to thank Henry Gade. Without him, I never would have even started this project. It would have ended at the idea. I'd like to thank Davin Creed for all of the support for this project. He's been irreplaceable. The music that he's made for each episode has been original, and it's been pretty much amazing. And he's been on a pretty tight schedule. The fact that he's been able to create such a quality product without much warning is a testament to his abilities and to Heather Nixon who not only produced the outro music for Green Eggs and Horror but she also supported me through this project and while at times she would have rather spent more time with me she did begrudgingly let me continue work on it I'd like to thank you for listening all the way through for making it to the end of Green Eggs and Horror. Today's story is about the horrors of science and why we should all stop doing it for any reason ever. Because, you know, apocalypse. And now, our story. Try it. You'll like it. Temple of Ruin by Peter Nixon April 14th Eve, I have only been here in Arkport a few days, and already it is hard to believe the things that we are finding on just the outside of the temple. I can hardly believe that we had gone so long without coming upon this place or something like it. But this is an original find. Never before has the temple of this type been found anywhere on earth. It sits below ground level, which may be why it was able to escape detection. Also, the Native Americans seem to think the area is haunted by some supernatural creatures, and have actually surrounded the area with their superstitious nonsense to try to keep the demons in. Perhaps if they had not been telling people that this area was cursed, someone would have chanced upon this ruin sooner. The primitives are incredibly superstitious, and are constantly talking about how the stars are showing them bad omens. Ridiculous, really, but we suffer it gently because they make such helpful guides and pac-men. Even so, I do worry that they will see their own shadow one day and run off a cliff. I am glad that I get to be the one who leads the excavation. Perhaps it was just lucky happenstance that I was in the right place at the right time. But whatever the case, I am greatly impressed with the architecture of this place, and am lucky to be given this opportunity. 
The temple sits below ground, so it's barely visible from any perspective, and is surrounded by many seemingly symmetrically placed, smooth hemispherical boulders. Petrified trees with odd geometrical shapes engraved in them, and even stone walls. Though the walls are crumbling and the boulders have been worn by wind and weather, the temple has withstood all with barely any damage to its face. The temple has the most amazing markings, with such descriptive pictograms as have not been seen anywhere in any ancient temples. This is assuredly the most remarkable find of our century, and to think that it was in America all this time. Some of the geologists are claiming that the temple is somewhere around 15 to 20,000 years old. That predates the Neolithic Revolution. This find may possibly place my name alongside those of Plongeon and Laird, and even their names might not carry the weight of mine after this discovery. I do not mean to overstate this. In fact, I feel I may be as of yet understating the unimaginable impact this will have on archaeology and science in general. Entire timetables may have to be rewritten. This temple proves that man lived in the Americas several thousand years before previously thought. Also, they had a culture, a religion, and skill enough to build an enormous temple. Perhaps the most impressive feature we have yet discovered is marked just above the door that leads into the temple. It is an image of some sort of anthropomorphized feline creature, with the head and tail of a cat, but the physical dimensions of a person. The drawing gives the natives some kind of fright, and when we ask them about it, they shake their heads and only say what sounds like Kuhatanat. I am eagerly looking forward to finally discovering the innermost secrets of the temple, because as of yet, we have been cataloging the outside and have just barely scratched the surface of this temple. I shall write again soon. With love, Samuel. May 2nd. Evelyn, I'm so sorry to hear about your mother's ailment. Let her know I am thinking of her and that I wish her a speedy recovery. I feel I must report to you that one of our top men, Herbert, was lost the day after I wrote you last. It was under some odd circumstances as well. He was found in the altar room and had seemingly cut himself on the edge of the raised table, which is made of a fine metal that is not corroded. He was supposed to be with one of our native guides, but the savage was not to be found since the accident. Herbert must have been a bit groggy and slipped on a mossy stone. I will be more careful. So please, do not worry. Let us move on to less depressing topics, lest this letter be filled with nothing but negative experiences that will only weigh your heart and trouble your mind. Yes, the nights here can be boring. So boring, in fact, that I have even taken up playing cards with some of the other archaeologists. Yet the nights give me some time to contemplate our future together. Though I am physically exhausted from the daily work, the nights are still filled with thoughts for you and what you may be doing. I am glad you miss me and that you have not already gone looking for another man's attention. Did I forget to explain the temple itself in my last letter? I am indeed sorry, my dear. I know that you wanted to know everything. My mind must have been filled with other thoughts. It is similar to the Aztec temples in Central America. It is pyramidal around the base, but at the top it deviates from Aztec design, and instead of a block on top of the pyramid, it has two isosceles triangles touching at their points. At the base of each triangle, there is an entrance to the temple, each going to a different room inside. We are finding the most amazing things. The artifacts left in this temple are indicative of an advanced religion similar to those found in Egypt. There are pots surrounding the altar, which was where Herbert had his unfortunate accident. 
We believe ritual sacrifice was practiced there. We cannot tell if they sacrificed people or animals or even just burnt food offerings. Though Patrick, one of my student assistants, found what seemed to be blade marks carved into the rock at the top of the offering table. This may be an indication of live offerings or possibly religious ritual virgin sacrifice. But it could also be something else. The translation of the writings will help us understand this more. It seems that the pictograms show human sacrifice being made at an altar, though it is not yet conclusive. Unfortunately, we have had to withhold further investigation because when I led our first team toward the temple from our camp, we were immediately forced back because a storm had suddenly come upon us. We returned to camp to secure it against the storm and have been waiting it out for nearly five days now. I will write again when I have something more to report than merely a soggy, depressing tent. Samuel. May 25th. Eve. Thank you for promptly replying to my letter. I miss you so. The longer I stay here, the more I wish I were there with you. This dig will likely keep us apart for longer than we had originally anticipated. We are being very careful and are taking every precaution. Due to the superstitious nature of our natives who are helping to run our camp and also Herbert's unfortunate accident. I must admit that there is something disturbing about this area. Sometimes in the dark there seem to be glowing eyes surrounding me. It sounds fantastic, I know, and it is entirely improbable, but I can see them in my tent sometimes. I wake and all I can see are these yellow eyes with pointed irises. They even seem to blink at me. I'm not sure if these are just manifestations of my frustration at the fact that I was stuck in a tent for nearly a week. Perhaps it is all the stories from the natives that are giving me waking nightmares. I sometimes think the translator fictionalizes stories simply to trouble the more credulous of our group. I had not thought myself among the more credulous people in this camp, but my subconscious is playing tricks on me. I am sure it is the translator that is to blame for these fanciful visions. While I have brought up nightmares, what was that cure for nightmares you told me your father showed you? I must not be getting very good sleep due to my dreams waking me up at all hours of the morning. I won't trouble you with details. The dreams seem so silly in the light of day. Everyone in camp seems to be on edge. Even Vilkin, our strongest Pac-Man, who is from the Kitamacha tribe. Kitamacha translates to warrior in English. Yet this strong and silent man seems to be ready to leave here. Every day he gets more and more insistent that we leave. His normal calm nature that we observed in every other circumstance, even the poor weather did nothing to dampen his spirits, is what makes his insistence on this thing so disquieting. He is not like the other savages. He was raised in a Catholic orphanage and does not even speak the language of his tribe. We have begun sending etchings of the writings in the temple to the ancient language professor at the University of Arkport and are due to hear back from him soon. The discovery of the temple is proceeding slowly, but given the general attitude of our group and the accident we suffered early on, it is to be expected. Always yours, Samuel. June 9th. Evelyn, that cure of your father's did not work. The dreams have been increasing in intensity. Damn my subconscious susceptibility to those natives' tales. But despite lack of sleep, the dig has been moving along smoothly. I cannot shake this vision I have been having recently regarding a man with the head of a cat topped with a blood-red and star-white colored top hat. He is standing at the top of the temple with his arms raised to an enormous red meteor. The 
the feline monstrosity is shouting some devilish incantation that I could not write phonetically. Sitting there, watching the horrible ritual, and listening to the senseless yet disturbing babbling of the cat, I nearly missed the man being brought to the altar at the top of the temple, which is not there in reality, where the cat man with the cruel hooked blade opens him from pelvis to sternum and removes all of his organs. I do apologize for the gruesome detail, but it is always this dream, many times a night, and it is taking me longer and longer to wake from it. Also, I have come down with a cough and some chest congestion. Could you send a packet of herbs and remedies for my throat? Perhaps I will be over the affliction by the time they arrive, though in case I am not, it would be much appreciated. Thinking of you, Samuel. July 1st. My dearest Evelyn, yes, I have seen the meteor in the sky and have noted its red color. Perhaps my subconscious registered the presence of the meteor before it was so large and apparent and it found its way into my dreams. Thank you for the herbs. I have started taking them in my tea today and am already feeling all the better for them. My spirits are somewhat returned with the cures you sent and my foggy mind can think more clearly because of them. I can hardly believe I have been suffering from this infernal congestion for so long. We have compiled maps and etchings of all of the temple and are cataloging all of the artifacts. The linguist has only translated a bit of the etchings we sent him. He says it is because the language is the most ancient form he has ever seen and that even his translations may be far off from their actual meanings because there are some words that seem like, as he said, gibberish to him. We have moved to the outside of the temple and arranged the boulders and petrified trees surrounding it. Some of the symbols that the professor translated were found on the trees and were on the trees before they were petrified. The trees are especially odd due to the fact that there is no known active volcano within hundreds of miles of here. Missing you, Samuel. June 3rd. Eve, I must petition that this place be buried and lost to all mankind. It is an evil place, I see that now. We cannot continue to poke about in this accursed temple anymore. All of the signs are coming together. The comet worries me most of all. We have been recalled by the university and the funding may be getting retracted due to one of my graduate students having another unfortunate accident. We are packing up and heading back, which is to my great relief because I do not know for how much longer I could have held on to my sanity in this accursed place. My head aches all the time now. My God, the incessant drumming in my head. The clumsy fool took a fall. The clumsy fool, he ruined it all. All the fun he must have had while we were out. All the fun with no one else about. I'm sure he danced for one, played his chin off with none, and played the twit for everyone. To yonder day in the glory of cotton, not may his reign be long and bloody. June 24th. My dearest Evelyn, if that truly was my last letter, I have lost control of my faculties. I am losing entire hours of the day and night. I do not know where I had been or what I had been doing. I am writing you now because I may not get another chance. I am grieved by thoughts that once I believed fanciful waking dreams, yet now they seem to have been premonitions of the most horrific kind. I do not wish to worry you, Eve. I only wish that you know what has happened to me if I don't return. Because if I don't return, it is likely that no one will ever see me again in this life. Though the university is recalling our team, I must make sure that this evil is stopped. If half of the things I saw in my visions are true, I have no choice. Kaatenhat is re-entering this existence. The meteor is what he was waiting for. When it passes by, it will open a portal between our existences, and he will destroy our world. 
I know this sounds as though I am losing my mind. I am. But this is my rational mind writing this letter right now. I wish I had written all the things I dreamt about and sent them to you so you would not doubt that they were real. Alas, I cannot traverse time like the gods worshipped at this temple. I am a slave to chronology and the succession of moments and the causality of time. Upon writing this, I have received another of my visions and the visage of the overlarge feline with the top hat upon his head standing on the border of what seemed to be an opening between worlds or dimensions has haunted me for nearly all the time I have been in this wretched camp. The cat studiously stands on the border betwixt dimensions and peers into the deepest parts of my soul. I can feel the scales of his mind deciding if I measure to his liking. The feeling is like that of being a cattle at auction, the eyes boring into my skin trying to see exactly how much beast you are worth. It is the most horrible thing I have ever felt. The dreams come to me more now, ever more clearly as well, and I do not know the cause be they apparitions of my mind translating my research into these arcane ruins and the feline symbology they so prominently displayed in their pagan temples, that was what I thought at first, but no more. The comet is exactly in the constellation I remember from my haunted dream, and the exact color. You have read the accounts that no such comet was expected to pass by us, I assume. Also, there are no records of a red comet ever before in all of the histories I have read. So it is unlikely that I could have brought knowledge of the phenomena out of my subconscious. You know I do not have a fanciful nature, and do not conjure up such ridiculous ideas from nothing. I am a rational man of science and will not be made afraid by supernaturalistic claims. Normally. Yet I am afraid, most deadly afraid. For I have seen yet another dream, a vision of the most horrible things a man can fathom. No, worse than a man can fathom. A twelve-clawed demon rising out of the ocean and devouring cities, two unnamed things so horrible and vicious with their silent rage that it drives men mad at the sight, which matters not because shortly after all are destroyed by the red-robed demons with blue flaming hair in unspeakable fashions and ways that even if I were to describe them to you with all the writer's talent in the world, I would fall short of bringing to the page the bloody, gruesome horror of the beasts. In my dreams, this comet has been in this constellation in the sky for only three nights and upon the third night there rises up a portal from the temple, wherein the demonic cat passes through from his otherworldly or other dimensional prison and comes back to this temple. When he arrives, he finds that there are no worshippers waiting with expected gifts and offerings, which I assume would be bloody sacrifices given the markings on the temple. He then becomes enraged and calls forth all sorts of evil and destruction upon the land. The land is doomed to come tonight. Nothing can stand against this awesome foe and his unspeakable horde of monstrous demons. The flicker of light that brings the portal to life is the sign I am looking for. The comet will begin to blink at regular intervals, and soon after, the portal at the head of the temple will open. There may be some mechanism or tool that opens the portal when gifted with the power from the blood comet. I must not let this portal open. It is for this reason I leave you this letter, to be sent out only if I do not return. My mind is weighed by the thing that I must do. It is a most evil thing. If you knew what I had to do, it would spoil your memory of me. Just know that I had to do it. And do not try to understand what it is that I did. Remember me for the man I was. The loving man who wanted to make you his wife and live happily for the rest of our days together and have little Evelyn's and Samuel's running around our feet. 
I am sorry that it has come to this. If you read this, I have failed. Not in stopping the apocalypse, but in saving my own life in the effort. I write this with bitter sadness in my heart, that we will never be married as I had promised you we would. I regret that I will not hold you again, that your heart will weigh heavy with the thoughts of my demise. I am deeply sorry for any pain this may cause you, but do realize that I am doing this so that you will not come to realize the horrors I have seen. Please, Evelyn, petition that this dig be ended forever. I may be able to stop this mechanism from bringing cotton out into this world, but there may be yet more horrors hidden in the vile place. Yours forever in spirit, Samuel. About the author. Pete, me, I, am a full-time mailman, full-time husband, full-time father, and part-time writer, editor, voice actor, IT guru, website designer, Mr. Fixit, etc. The idea for Green Eggs and Horror came out of my twisted mind. You're welcome. Temple of Ruin was based on my love of H.P. Lovecraft and the found document type of story. Since writing letters is so antiquated in today's world of email, texting, and perpetual phone accessibility, I thought this story would be fun to do, in a nostalgic kind of way. Green Eggs and Horror is released under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, U.S. license. That means you can give it away and share it however you like, but don't take credit for it or sell it. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in a physical copy or a digital copy, you can find Green Eggs and Horror on Amazon, Kindle, and on greeneggsandhorror.com. <laughs>